Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. This week, I interview Australian world tour rider Lachlan Morton. Lachlan opens up about a difficult part of his career when he moved to Europe. He talks about how he reconnected with the bike on a series of adventure rides with his brother. And he also talks about the empowering feeling he gets from ultra endurance rides. Enjoy. What sort of age did you become associated with the bike? When did that? Was that quite a young thing for you? Yeah, I always had bikes. We grew up just outside of Port Macquarie on like a, a little farm. And so like we always had space and like, and we were always outside. So I think I was first on a bike. Shit, I was young, maybe like three or four. Yeah, like dad whipped the training wheels off and just kind of, it's like, here you go. But I first started road cycling when I was seven or eight, just at the local club. Like Australia has a big club scene. So a guy called Graham Sears, who was an Olympian, he was running our club, so it was super strong. So the town, probably 30, 40,000 people, but the cycle club was over 200. So yeah, I used to just go race once a week, do crits or... The handicap on the weekend yeah it just kind of grew from there and um, was that quite was it important for you at that time to be competitive or was it more just no it was more getting out there and yeah free? like my brother was doing it so i wanted to do what he was doing and it was just another thing like i'd play soccer on saturday morning and then i'd go in the afternoon and go race bikes i didn't train or anything it wasn't really until uh when I was 10 or 11, we went to Europe on like a, a family holiday, a big family trip, and we saw the Tour de France, 2003. And I realized like how big, big of a deal cycling is um, and that it's something you could do professionally. So right then I decided, I was like, I want to be professional. I started training every day and like, um, that was it. That was the only goal in my life. <laughs> and there's part of the first thereabouts movie. You're talking, I can't remember if it's you or your brother that's talking about the Frankenstein bikes that you used to make. Um, what sort of age were you starting to do that? Uh, it's probably between like eight and all the way till I was like 15. <laughs> um, yeah, we always just had old bikes hanging around. So we'd like mix them up because we, we had like a course that we made around our, our house. And yeah, we'd always take the brakes off and put like little wheels on the back or the front or just like, yeah, put like all the bikes together in different ways and then race each other around the house with them. So um, there was like a few kids from around where we lived who would all, we'd all come and race each other. Had some like all the biggest crashes I've ever had were around there. <laughs> Yeah, I think you were saying the most important thing was you'd make sure you had no brakes. Yeah, no always brakes. no brakes. Um, and so, like, you had to learn how to, to like, slide the bike to slow down. Um, or, like, you'd wear, wear your shoes out just, like, dragging them on the ground. But, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's a really fond memory for me. Like, that was very um, pure, pure fun. Do you think that was a kind of early indication that... I mean, you probably weren't consciously thinking about it at the time, but that you were always kind of searching for something else. You're always trying to push the sport and and sort of express yourself. 
Um, I think it was more, yeah, I mean, maybe, like, I always enjoyed doing that uh, as well as, like, what I was doing, road cycling. Um, but I think I was more, um, I was always, like, trying to push myself for more because, yeah, like, I, I never, my brother was definitely better than I was, like, naturally better, I think. So, like, I had to work harder. So, yeah, I, I would always work a little bit harder and sort of, like, try and carve out my own little thing, <laughs> I guess. Obviously, you had quite a sort of, you know, a meteoric rise in the sport and it was very much the professional side of it at yeah. that point. Were you putting a lot of just pressure on yourself? Was that a direct competition with your brother or were you just thinking, oh, my God, I want to go out and... I think, like, I, I just kind of wanted to to be noticed myself. Like, I don't. it wasn't, like, anything... I mean, I, like, I got plenty of attention as a kid. It wasn't like I was... Um, it's kind of... I think it was more of a subconscious thing. I just kind of wanted to push myself um, to be to be better. So, like, yeah, I don't know. People see it as, like, oh, yeah, I was, like, this young talent who, like, rose through professional bike riding really young. But I was still, like training 30 hours a week when I was in high school for five years <laughs> you know like yeah. um like I, I'd worked really hard to get to a professional level I think I was just at a, a younger age you know yeah I guess sometimes it can be sort of written or talked about in a way that for any athlete that's a young sort of success that it's like oh you've just been gifted with this yeah and it's like it's just been given to you yeah yeah um which is a just a, a footnote in what's probably actually happening yeah i mean i was like yeah i worked super hard when i was young like i was i was crazy <laughs> <laughs> um, i'd get up at four thirty every morning to do three hours before school and then i'd get my mom to um instead of like picking me up from school i'd just get her to drop my bike off and then i'd just ride back home um and i was just always doing that so and do you, was that just something you were just constantly thinking about it. I need to yeah. get back on the bike. I need to yeah, do this. Totally. Yeah. When you came to making the thereabouts films, was that something that you were thinking, Oh, we want to make a cool movie or was this no, it was all part like, of your life that was like, yeah, it just happened by accident. Yeah. Um, so it was after I turned like a world tour pro. So it's like the highest level of bike riding. Um, and I think I was 20. Um, so I kind of achieved this goal when I was really young. Um, and then it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. So I was looking for something else. And yeah, we just decided to go on a trip, like in the off season. Like let's ride to the middle of Australia, see what happens. And yeah, it was like life changing. Changed my relationship with riding bikes and that sort of like shifted my whole outlook on what it meant to ride a bike. So then I was, I had one more year in the world tour. Like I was contracted for another year. And then after doing the first thereabouts, I had a tough time racing and doing all that again. So after, yeah, that next year I'd, I left the world tour, but it wasn't like, yeah, actively seeking out something different. It was just purely on a selfish level. I think we just wanted to go do something for ourselves a little bit think because the more riders i talk to it seems like there can be a lot of situations obviously not everyone's the same but there can be a lot of situations where 
being thrust into a sport can be extremely isolating yeah you're shoved to europe or wherever america or part of the world and join a team and you don't know people there might be a language barrier or something and you're suddenly expected to compete you might not be in a team that's necessarily thinking about your well-being yeah um, on the mental side so like pushing yourself to those levels can be incredibly difficult do you think that it was just bound to happen that you were gonna sort of yeah i think so um like i was very young and like moving to europe by yourself and that, it's a pretty big deal i came from australia um and i kind of just like wrote it off like oh yeah it's what i do and at that time i think i was definitely um i was pretty stubborn in that like i wanted to do everything myself i'd always done relied on myself to do things so i didn't want to i never asked for help to do anything i lived by myself and definitely that second year i really just cut myself off so yeah i'd go days without like talking to anyone and didn't want to ride my bike um yeah, I just spent a lot of time in my apartment and was sort of aware of the fact that I was like, this is not good. I need to change. Like, I can't live this way. So that's when I decided to to leave World Tour Racing. Um, it wasn't like, oh, I need to... I need something different in this sport. I need to go right. It was just more like, um, I need to get myself out of this situation. So, yeah, that's... Well, I don't think... Uh, I wouldn't blame the team. I wouldn't, like... I think like a lot of it was self-imposed. Um, looking back at it, it's like shit. I was young. I'm sort of like surprised more people didn't reach out to help. I guess, but then also maybe they were, and I was just like shutting them down. So, sort of just touching on moving to Europe and mm -hmm. what it was like when you were. Did did you have good friends in the team? Was it something that? What was it that? was isolating you was it just the fact you had loads of time on your hands and you didn't know what to do with it you were yeah this. i mean um i don't know what that was uh i didn't i had a few good friends in the team most of them were retiring at that age i was friends with the older guys so yeah kind of i don't know why i was isolated. yeah i guess i had a lot of time and i didn't have any of people i was really close with around um I didn't speak with anyone close very much. Like, I never really talked to my parents. It'd be like, I could go months without really talking to them. So, yeah, I don't... I, don't, I mean, it's also that realisation that you're like, okay, what do I do now? Um, like, your purpose is kind of a bit like... You're like, I'm, I'm supposed... This is supposed to be the the pinnacle and, like, this is my goal and then now I'm here and I'm, like, really unhappy. Um, so it's kind of... A struggle for like a, a new identity i guess um and also like it's strange being an athlete in that like you're kind of defined by your physical performances and like your your physical ability which is a strange thing to get your head around <laughs> you know yeah um, you sort of like okay my my only purpose is to show up like physically fit and ready to go um and even to the point, the way people probably talk about you when mm -hmm. you're in meetings and coach, like, it's not, you know, people aren't actively trying to be mean, but they'll no. talk about you in this very weird way of... Yeah, like you're a bike rider. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah you're, it's not, 
oh, yeah. Lachlan, exactly. how are you doing? It's, oh, the bike rider yeah. is ready. It's on the this riders. program. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are talking about this struggle with identity and, and purpose. Those Those two words seem to crop up quite a bit. Um, the more I sort of talk about it. And I guess it, it's quite a strange, or on one hand, it's quite a strange thing, as you say, to get to a point in your life at such a young age that is kind of treated as the pinnacle. Because, yeah. I, I don't know, growing up, you never sort of think you're going to reach something which is no. supposedly at the top at that age. You think, oh, when I'm 50 or something. Yeah, like, exactly. It's quite a weird thing to suddenly have thrust on you. Well, I mean, dealing with that sort of concept is, is quite difficult um, in itself, but sort of then searching for that identity in terms of going forward as a physical rider, do, was that a struggle? It's quite, it's hard when you go, I mean, you get into the water, it's so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's hard. Um, so it's sort of, initially, the the level is so high, kind of impossible to have those um those goals <laughs> you know like i think like a lot of that just gets stamped out because you're just trying to survive in a lot of the races initially a lot of treading water and yeah just exactly just getting, getting your head kicked in and like trying to learn but also just like making a lot of mistakes um yeah i didn't have i wasn't like oh, i want to go win the two hour i want to i didn't have that that drive to I I feel like I've never been like an overly competitive person with anyone but myself um so I'm not like the sort of person who comes in and is like I want to beat all these guys and um kick everyone's ass and show the world because like I don't know there's not much gain in that yeah it's more just like a, a thing against against myself and the only the only thing I felt I mean, like, the only challenge I'd sort of given myself was to get to that level and I'd sort of validated that. And, yeah, I didn't feel like I had anything to prove. And sort of fast-forwarding to when you're in the desert in Australia, I think the amazing bits of those movies or when you were just connecting with people, was that something that you were intentionally trying to do when you were going out? It's like, oh, we want to stop and make sure we get these... Or was it just something that just naturally happened because that's something that you guys... I mean, on the first one, it's like there's not many people in Outback Australia, you know? If you're riding your bike through, like, people are going to chat to you because it's a a weird thing to be doing. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. We just found uh, you're kind of open. Like, most people, even people you didn't think necessarily were very... um, like hospitable and very like warm and and wanted to tell tell you about their life wanted to hear about yours um and yeah i don't know the bike's like a a cool vessel for that i don't know why it breaks down it seems to break down like a lot of the barriers people normally have with communicating um so yeah I, i'd never up until that point the bike had just been like a a racing tool you know or something that i rode to to get fitter or to race someone and then now it's like oh this is just something i can use for a life experience um and yeah i mean i think i still haven't found anything else where 
you can you can get a group of people on bikes um you know who are total strangers and that's enough to bond over you know i mean we got like a group of people i rode over with yesterday like it's just 10 random people we've never met and we just go and rode for seven hours across you know uh a few fells and like all of a sudden get to the other end and you're like oh we're all mates um which is great like that's what that's what riding bikes is that's the real privilege of riding a bike you know and um, that was one of the great parts of uh the gb Giro, was it called yeah um that sort of the film that I guess Rafa made for yeah. that. The, uh, what was it called? The Spot Watchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one, that's a great name. For yeah. Like a group of people. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. They're not a group because they were just individuals along the thing. And exactly. And it was just this amazing part of that movie where you just these people, like that guy that rocked up at, was it one or three? Yeah, in the exactly. And just like, people just wanted to there. ride with you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What, it's such an amazing. Because that still is elite sport. You are, I mean, even when you're doing something, you are still an elite athlete. You're someone that people look up to. Mm -hmm. So to be able to just come out and break it all down and just ride a bit of where yeah, that was is so... I mean, it's very unique to, to cycling, I guess, that um, people of all levels can, like, share an experience, you know? Um like there's not a lot of sports where that you know you could do that like you can't you can't play tennis against you know an elite level tennis player and both like be having a great time <laughs> yeah know? um or you can't yeah i don't know it's hard to like i can go for a ride with my wife you know at 15k an hour around the small trails like for 45 minutes and just be having equally as good a time as you know and i think that's what's kind of incredible about these um gravel races is that sure you've got 20 30 maybe just 10 people at the front who are racing in trying to win Mm -hmm. but the the the, however many majority people at the end yeah they finish it it's a shared experience yeah there's no difference between person that finishes first and exactly whoever finishes last and, yeah and you're that's what's you can stand at the end and be like well i did it as well right there's no yeah it's very um it's very unique to those events that's what i really enjoyed this year and like those big uh, participation event I, i'm trying to find a better word but for lack of a better word like a participation event um there's like this shared energy of everyone trying to like complete the same yeah. epic course and Emporia, Kansas, when that weekend, um, it just gets taken over. And I was obviously there as a photographer. I wasn't there as a, a rider. But you just get immersed in, it's just a sort of pilgrimage of cyclists. And they all come together at any level. And no one is talking about, I mean, they might talk about their kit or their bike or something. But no one's sort of talking about in that competitive nature. It's just such a we're all doing this this is crazy yeah this is so much fun yeah i mean it's so nice to see like a community uh sort of transformed around bikes um because yeah i mean that's 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 the power of bikes really um and people from all walks of life you know like all descending on this one little town because they want to take on this 
200 mile, you know, yeah. ride like out in the sticks. Like it's pretty, it's a pretty funny idea, but once you get there, it all makes sense. Um, obviously like it brings money. It brings like a whole bunch of things to the community that, that help. But it's also just like that, that feeling is infectious, you know, that, that, um, the energy that everyone brings to, to the town is like, you know, you can feel it. <laughs> um, so that's like, I mean, that's what a successful bike event looks like, you know. Um, if you go to the majority of 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 pro tours, or you you don't get that feeling. <laughs> it seems like that's happening more now, and and the brands are understanding that the red tape of world tour is one thing, but actually. Yeah. The majority of us are just getting on a push bike and having fun and yeah. finding ways of connecting. And the events you've obviously been doing, um, backed by brands, are obviously showing that that is happening. Yeah, I mean, like, you sort of got to wonder, well, you got to look at what's the purpose of professional sport. Um, and at a certain point somewhere, I mean, like, bike riding just became, like, Pro, pro bike riding just became self-serving like to itself you know it's, it's totally its own entity um and it's just sort of been surviving in that realm and it's it's moved further and further away from um what most people are doing on bikes so yeah it's sort of like at a certain point you say well what's the point of it <laughs> what's the yeah. purpose um i mean the tour de france makes sense because of tradition more than anything um but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of road cycling where you're like well what are we what are we trying to achieve here um and then it's like oh why isn't this why doesn't this sponsor want to give us 10 million dollars again next year and you're like well because like what are we doing? <laughs> um, I'd rather be like involved in what other people are doing in cycling. Um, like the top level should relate to everyone's experience. It seems to be that that thereabouts, the first one was very much with you connecting with the bike again in terms yeah. of what it brought to you initially when you were just building crazy bikes yeah. at home and racing with your mates how did that help if it did your sort of mental health and your approach to how you wanted to carry on as a cyclist uh, it was huge um I, I took like two years in the u.s um to work out what i wanted to do i was racing with a small team um jelly belly and just surrounded by a really good group of people um who genuinely just they liked well, I mean, we all connected as people first and then athletes second, um, which helped me a lot. Um, helped me sort of realise that I don't need to be winning races for people to like me. <laughs> yeah. um, and that helped me race really well. Um, and when I came back to the World Tour, it was it was really on my own terms. Um, and I knew that's, that's what I wanted to be doing. Uh, but uh, my my relationship with the bike has just continued to evolve um, and I enjoy it more and more. So now, like I, I just like, I love being out riding so much. Like that's all I want to do every day. Um, and that's evolved from like 
training. Like I never think of running as training anymore. Yeah. Um, it's funny when people are like, oh, when you start training, you're like, well, I just start riding every day. Like if this counts. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, my, like I, I'm, now I would say like, you know, if I look back at myself when I was first turned professional, um, I was such an unhappy person. Um, and it's crazy that that could be brought on by something that now that is just like gives me so much joy you know uh, it was purely by the way I was looking at it um so I dreaded racing I hated going out training I didn't like I hated looking at the bike like I just I was really unhappy and the source of that unhappiness was my bike and now it's like I'm, I feel like a very happy person um and you know, the bike's giving me so many amazing experiences. Um, and it's all through, like, just my outlook on it, you know, um, and my, my relationship with it. And I think a lot of that was just, like, being honest with with myself, with what I wanted to get out of it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's still uh, it's still hard for me to, look, to, to think about... Um, myself when I first turned professional that's true like there's still there's like uh, like where I used to live in Girona during that time um I can't I just can't go back there <laughs> like, you can't physically go no okay right? or if I have or to like go around that area I just it, it makes me really unhappy yeah. um because it's like yeah it was just a really difficult part of my life um which i it was necessary to go through but it's crazy like yeah i don't i don't like thinking about that <laughs> time <laughs> yeah. do you now you sort of saying that you look at training and as just riding a bike you don't you're not sort of packaging it in the same way that you might have been when you were a 20 year old you're just enjoying riding a bike has that made you enjoy the sort of the pro races in terms of you're looking at it in the same way as you do the GB Giro or Dirty Kanza in terms of you're just riding a bike and you might happen to be with a load of guys with some sponsorship on their back but at the end of the day it's another bike ride has that allowed you to enjoy that site or has it yeah, been more I mean, difficult it's been great this year doing uh, a bunch of other races because I've, I've it's still been uh exciting and stimulating to jump back into pro races um because it feels like just like a new challenge um and the team now is a really great group of people um so i like genuinely enjoy going away on the road with like all the guys because it's a, it's a fun it's a fun environment um i'd say like i uh this year i've definitely enjoyed the the alternate races more um but i haven't i've I've really i've loved the the pro racing more than i ever have before um just because it's a it's fun working with like a team um it's a lot of like problem solving <laughs> um i still think like there's a lot that that the world tour cycling can learn from uh these other events but i think it'll slowly happen um so yeah i mean i i definitely uh enjoy riding 
or racing on the road more than more than I have. Looking at those alternate races that you did this year, um, it was specifically the the GB Giro in that film. You obviously were talking about it quite a lot during it, but you hit some really hard moments, some really low points in terms of, and which was if anyone hasn't watched it if you watch it it's pretty obvious why you were literally riding 24 <laughs> hours a day yeah. like putting your body through it so <laughs> yeah. you're gonna hit some pretty tough moments did you think that you could push yourself that hard or did you like how did you sort of either consciously or subconsciously like get mentally through that um yeah that was all like learning on the fly i'd never done anything like that um so for the first half, like mentally, I was just a mess, like all over the place. Like I didn't know. It's it's very extreme environment to put you, yourself in. Um, and then you sort of develop all your own coping mechanisms. Um, and it's actually, it's really, um, I found it really empowering, I guess, um, having some sort of, I wouldn't say control, but like learning to deal with how your your head affects you, why your thoughts like affect you in any given situation. Um, and so it's kind of like this, it became like this game of like your brain trying to stop you through all these, these ways, <laughs> um, you know, trying to make you negative, trying to, you know, put doubts in there. Um, and then realizing that's just your, your head, like trying to stop you more than anything. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably what I took most out of that experience was, um, it's such a cliche, but like, it's all in your head. But, um, in those events, it really is like such a mental battle. Um, and yeah there's something really special about um sort of subjecting yourself to a situation like that um and yeah kind of like like taking yourself to that point where you're like okay let's let's dance <laughs> let's see let's see what happens when uh when i'm right on the edge um and it's a it's, it's a mental battle and when you overcome that and come out the other side like it's very empowering and do you think, because they kind of become these meditative states where you're sort of just processing everything because you're kind of, your body is empty and <laughs> it's all you can think about. Do you think that they're kind of a good thing to do? Uh, yeah, I think it's really, really good thing to do. Um, I, like, every time you do it, you learn a bit more about yourself. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that... Uh, we kind of all just deal with on a like something under the surface um we we all sort of carry through our lives that um we either never are forced to deal with or never um we never game to to deal with um and doing these events is a way for me anyway i found to bring those things up and sort of force you to deal with it um which, yeah, it's it's wild that you have to put yourself in such a extreme position to just to do that. But uh, 
yeah, I think um, it's something. I mean, it, it, everyone's gonna have their own version of like what that looks like, but uh, I think it's a, a a good thing to get out there and challenge yourself to the point uh, where you think you can't do it, and then yeah, see what's under the under the surface. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode, please go to findingspace.cc. For more interviews like this, please subscribe to the Finding Space podcast. But more importantly, if this story resonated with you, please share. The more we engage with the topic of mental health, the further we can go to break down the stigma.